How do you mend a friendship? Are those little gangsters in hell? And Paul is podcast crazy. All this and more on a brand new How Did This Get Made mini episode. Hit the theme! We could have watched anything that we wanted to watch. But Paul saves that shit for unspooled. While he's recording, what could June be doing? She's probably not getting a manicure. Oh, yeah. I like that. A special thank you to DDB, who sent in that amazing Bugsy Malone-themed theme for this week's episode. I want to keep that every single week. Um, People, what's up? It's me. Paul Shear, how are you? Uh, welcome to a How Did This Get Made mini episode. You know what happens here. Come on. Come on, you know it. But you want me to explain it to you. This is the part of the show that feels like an outgoing answering machine message. You know what you have in store. But I'm going to tell you, nonetheless, this is where we tell you what we're going to be watching next week on the show. Uh, Next week on the show, by the way, kicks off our official Halloween month on How Did This Get Made. That's right. We are turning How Did This Get Made into Horror Did This Get Made. I believe that's what we decided on after Jason and June told me I could not take Scaretober from Unspooled and just also apply it to How Did This Get Made. So now Unspooled is Scaretober and this is Horror, did this get made? I added the Dracula voice. By the way, if you didn't know, that was a Dracula voice I was doing. Anyway, people, I'm going to tell you what kicks off our Horror, did this get made uh, month. But more importantly, we are going to go back and talk about Bugsy Malone, a film that y'all loved. You loved this movie. We loved this movie. I know that you were uh, disappointed that June could not be there. I'm glad in a way... Because something tells me that June might not have enjoyed this movie as much as we all did. Only because I think it would have creeped her out. I think seeing little kids dressing as adults might have creeped her out. I'm not sure. At one point, I will get her to watch it. Uh, Maybe I'll pop it on for my own kids. Even though I believe Jessica said that that would be a bad idea. Anyway, whoo. We got a lot. We got a lot to break down, and I cannot wait to do it all with you. Also, some special announcements. Um, Jason and I are going to have a sit-down conversation with one of our favorites, uh, Ed Brubaker. He was a guest on the show um, before. Great guest. I believe he was on the Daredevil episode. And Ed is going to sit down and chat with us about the brand new Reckless book that is coming out. Um, Also just about his amazing storied career and what he's up to and what he's working on because he is working on some very cool stuff. Jason and I are going to break out of Core Chat and we are going to do a very special Star Wars Vision episode. We're going to drop it here in the main feed. If you want to hear Jason and I just geek out about Star Wars Visions, which is the new anime Star Wars series on Disney Plus. Get ready, that is coming out soon. I don't have our date yet because we haven't recorded it yet. We've just agreed to do it. Um, 
Anyway, a lot of stuff coming up. But if you want to record a theme for the How Did This Get Made special about Star Wars Visions, the animated anime Disney Plus show, you can do it. You can make a theme about any of our upcoming episodes. You can make a theme for Horror This Get Made, and you can just send it to how did this get made at earwolf.com? That's how did this get made at earwolf.com. Keep it short. We like short and sweet. It's good. Um, and if you're dying to keep conversations going in the how did this get made world, in the Paul Shear world, join me on Discord. You can join my Discord at discord.gg slash Paul Shear. We have an amazing moderators. We have game nights. We have topics and conversation from sports to pets to parenting to, uh, I mean, a lot of talk about the league some NTSF conversations, Human Giant. We go all over the gamut. It's just not a Paul Shear focused channel. There are those channels, but it also works in tandem with the Twitch channel that I've been doing uh, with, uh, with Rob Hubel and a bunch of other amazing people. But if you just want a pure, how did this get made, a movie-focused channel, well, we have a great one right there. Just go to discord.gg slash hdtgm, and that is... Um, risen from the ashes of our old Earwolf boards. We have great people over there uh, supplying you with amazing How Did This Get Made content. So if you've never tried Discord before, let me just tell you, it's easy to set up, 30 seconds. It's honestly, it's it's great. I love it so, so much. It's like fun social media slack, but it's way easier than that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm all in on Discord. I'm a big fan. So uh, check it out. It's free. There's nothing, I'm not getting anything from that. I'm not, this is just me saying, hey, you want to have like a, a little bit of a, you know, a parasocial relationship? Jump on there. There's a lot of good people on there. Um, what else do I need to tell you? Oh, Lower Decks, Star Trek, season two right now is out on Paramount+. Plus. June and I are in an episode. I'm in a lot of those episodes. I played Lieutenant Phillips, but in this episode, she plays my mom, and there's a shocking reveal about my character, and she plays a very prominent role in it. And I will tell you that if you are a How Did This Get Made fan, especially a fan of my childhood stories, you'll find some connections in that episode in particular that you will truly enjoy. Um... Finally, Jason is on the brand new Star Trek program uh, as well on Nickelodeon. That is the new one with uh, Kate Mulgrew, who played Captain Janeway in Star Trek Voyager. So, so much stuff going on. And June right now is in the final season of Grace and Frankie on Netflix. The first three episodes of the final season just dropped about one or two weeks ago. Check it out. It is, uh, it's great. I actually think it's the best season I've seen so far. Anyway, uh, so many more plugs and things to talk about. I'm holding back on some things because I want to talk about it with Jason and Quarchet. We're going to get to do that in a little bit. He's been traveling. So, oh yeah, Jason's been out of the house. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting, people. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll get to that eventually. Not today, not in this episode. So don't be upset. But we do have a bunch of good stuff coming up in this episode. But first, let me hear from you. It is now time for the Paul Helpline. Hit it! You think you got problems. He thinks he's got answers. He's down in the basement. June's probably out dancing. If you've exhausted your real options, you can ask Paul. 619 That's right, that is DDB again. Thank you, DDB. Um, here I am to help you, trying to do my best at listening to your problems and at least working it out in a way that we can all 
disagree with me, agree with me, tell me what you think. This first one is hard. And I actually asked Cody uh, what she thought she should do. Now, take a listen. Hi, Paul. This is Angela calling from California. Here's the situation. So during the pandemic, um, my job got cut from 30 hours to 10. So at least I still had a job. But my girlfriend and her husband knew we were on hard times, and they both had good jobs that didn't get cut. So they offered some jobs, odd jobs, of mending their clothes to me. And because I sew and I've sewn a long time, I was like, sure, that would be great. So I earned a little bit of money. I was able to help them out so I didn't have to, like, spend a bunch on a seamstress or something to, you know, mend some tears and hem some pants and things like that. Um, and that was maybe three or four times during the pandemic. My girlfriend would call me up and say, hey, I have a bag of stuff. Can I come drop it by? Sure. Months and months go by and stuff is getting back to, quote, unquote, some of semblance of normal. And once they both got vaccinated and we were vaccinated, we, my husband and I, decided to have them over for dinner. When they showed up, my girlfriend's husband had a bag that he just kind of shoved at me and said, here's some mending. And I was really taken aback and, like, didn't even know what to say because normally she would call and ask, hey, can I bring some? Do you, you know, do you want to do this? Can you do this for us? He just shoved the bag at me and was very, like, Here's some mending. So what do I say to that? Because now um, I don't really need the mending because I am mostly back to work. But also I just felt it was a little rude. Do I say something? Do I just do the mending? I'm not really sure to how to continue because I just was a little shocked at, like, the behavior of shoving that in my face. So, um, yeah, your help would be greatly appreciated. Any advice? And you guys rock. I love the show. Thank you so much for continuing to make us laugh and giving us something to look forward to every week. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Angela, I love this. I love it. I love that you became, uh, you know, a seamstress friend. I love that your, uh, that your friends came, you know, to help and support you. It's amazing. I have some some mending that I'd love you to do, but I would ask or text before I would throw a bag at you. This story is weird. Um, here's my issue. You needed to nip this in the bud when it happened. Anything you do now, I think will present as weird. So in the moment, like our good friend, super producer Cody says, Cody thinks what you should have done is when he said, this is to mend. And it sounds so like, sitcom uh, husband character in a multicam sitcom, like like the weird one, like that's like what is a Raymond's brother, you know, like a, a Brad Garrett kind of a character throwing that to you. Um, it's awkward. I feel for you. It was weird. You should feel like, ugh, I get it all. But she feels like in the moment you should have said, you know what? I actually don't have time anymore. Um, so sorry about that. And hand the clothes back. Here's what I will say. I think, unfortunately, you got to mend those clothes. You got to mend the clothes, get that money, get that cash. And then when you return it, you can take a page from Cody's book. Um, Because I think if you bring it over and then you go, hey, look, I, 
I felt uncomfortable when you just gave it to me. My situation changed and this is where I'm at. Then all of a sudden, and maybe this is where I go. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but like, then I'm going to be like, oh, then this friend is going to talk to, they're going to talk about you behind your back and be like, oh my God, was so weird. She gave us back the mending. And I just feel like it won't hit as hard as that. Uh, You know, if you did it in the moment, it would have been nice and decisive. But now that you have the clothes, I think you can just say, oh, here you go. And by the way, I'm so sorry I didn't mention this, but I I don't have time to do this anymore. Um, And, uh, you know, maybe you can find someone else, a dry cleaner. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you would end it. I just think just saying I don't have the time to do this anymore is a great way. You don't have to give excuses. You got your own shit going on. Um, So also, um, I will just say the benefit of the doubt is that two things. One, they sincerely could be trying to help you. And he felt uncomfortable about that. So in his awkwardness, he made it more awkward for you. I have a friend who does that, who makes, like, he guarantees you to feel awkward so he feels less awkward. It's not a good trait, but I believe that that could be a part of it. I believe that they were trying to do something nice and just not use your services. I think, I hope. So I would say just maybe benefit of the doubt, look at it from the, from the top down and go, that was their intention. The execution was poor, but if the intention was, was pure, I feel better about it. I don't know. That's my thought. I, maybe I'm maybe I'm too much of a softy, and maybe I'm too worried about uh, offending people who've offended me. I don't know. But that that's what I'm going to say. Listen to Cody. She's smarter than me. All right. Next caller, Hannah from Boise. What do you got? Hi, Paul. This is Hannah from Boise, Idaho. Um, I'm just calling to get some advice on a potential really big life thing, achievement, I suppose. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be proposing to my girlfriend. Um, it's very exciting. I, you know, don't think she'll say no, but um, just wanted to know, you know, your experience and if you have any advice for me. Uh, I have a plan, but I really have no idea what to say. So uh, any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. Hannah, I'm glad you asked. All right, well, uh, you should say this. You should write this down. Take out a pen and paper right now. Oh, dear love, my bedtime lover. No, I I don't know what you should say exactly, but I will tell you this. Um, And I know you weren't actually calling to ask me what to say exactly. What I will say is this. Um, Every proposal is unique. Every proposal is its own thing. Every relationship is different. Um, all I will say is be prepared for it to go off the rails. Be able to improvise in the moment as far as not that your partner is going to say no, but that your plan on how it's going to unfold will not unfold the way that you exec- exactly want it to unfold. I think that uh, most of the stories I've heard something happens, you know, something unexpected. For example, uh, when I proposed to June, I didn't realize that the ring box, like, didn't really fit in any part 
of my wardrobe without it looking like I was carrying a giant ring box. And then I had to like improvise on the go because I really wanted the ring box and I had to figure out how to do that. I also, you know, uh, got like way late. I couldn't find the area that I envisioned it in because I didn't really like scout it to a degree that I guess, you know, it was a public place. The other thing I will say, and maybe I'm maybe I'm old fashioned on this, but build in some sort of ability for the two of you to have some alone time after it happens. Like, don't say, I'm going to ask her and then go to a bar where all your friends are waiting. Like, take this time for you in the afterglow of the proposal. I think that that's actually really important. I think that that's a great way to do it. I don't think you should plan anything. You'll have plenty of time to say your vows and write your vows. But truly, this should be all about you wanting to spend the rest of your life with this person who you love so much and and speak from the heart why you're doing this, why you want to do this, and what this time has meant. I'm terrible at this stuff. I really am. The more emotional things are, the more tongue-tied I get, and I regret it. I'm like, I should have said this, and then I want to be like funny, and then I'm like, oh, why was I funny in this? I should have been more serious. And I get all in my head, and maybe... You, you hit some bullet points if you want, but I don't, I think that proposals can be a little bit sloppy because honestly and truthfully, I don't think anyone remembers the proposal. I think everyone is a little bit blacking out. So just have the moment because <laughs> you're saying words, there's a ring. You're like, oh my God, my life is changing. What's going on? So save your good words for later. Right now, send love, speak from the heart, whatever it is. And then have that time afterwards. I think that that's really, really important. And then um, take breaks. Take breaks in telling all your friends because I feel like that's another whole thing and you have to emotionally go through it a million times. So take breaks. Go easy on yourself. Dole it out slowly but surely. Enjoy this. Take a week-long time to tell everybody uh, because you will you don't want to like burn out on this lovely event on your like 19th phone call of the day. Uh, anyway, there's my advice. Please tell me how it goes, Hannah. And I won't say where you're from unless your girlfriend doesn't listen to the show. And if she doesn't, you got to get her into the show. I hope she's not listening right now because then you would have been revealed. Um, all right, Christian, what do you got? Hey, Paul, this is Christian calling in from Sacramento, uh, and I wanted to call in as another bald man to give some reassurance to Lee from Livermore last week, who was worried about shaving his head. Uh, my hairline started going when I turned 20, and after a couple of years of trying to fight it, I, I bit the bullet. I got a couple of friends together, and uh, we, we made it an occasion. We shaved my head together over some drinks. Uh, so I think my advice to him would be, if, if you make shaving your head for the first time a fun experience or event for yourself like that, that might make the transition into baldness uh, a little bit easier for you to, to kind of handle at the jump. And, and I will tell you, since I shaved my head, everybody says that it looks way better. So I have a feeling the same is going to be true for you. Good luck to you, man. And I hope you save a bunch of money on haircuts. Yes, 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 yes. I love that idea. I would only add, put a professional barber in there. I, I wouldn't necessarily be like, shave it all off. (laughs) 
I mean, you could, you could if you want, but you can also go slower. You can go to a good barber and have it be trimmed down. Like you could take it step by step. I mean, it definitely took me a little bit of time to get to where I am comfortable with it. And I'm glad that I walked it back. I don't know. Yeah. So don't have your friends do it is basically what I'm saying. I'm glad it worked out for Christian. And if you want to shave it all off, then fuck it. Yeah. Then go do it that way. Um, I'm still living that life of just getting it cleaned up nice and, and feeling good. I like going to the barber shop. I like my guy. Rudy's the best. Big ups to Rudy at Sweeney Todd's out here in Los Feliz. Love Rudy. Anyway, um, that's my advice. Anyway, thank you all for your calls. This is a good week. This is a big week. A lot of big questions. Uh, call us anytime at 619-P-A-U-L-A-S-K. At 619-Paul-ASK. Call us 24-7. It's just a Google line, so uh, we're you're not going to wake anybody up. Um, now, we'll be right back. And when we are back, we're going to get into Bugsy Malone. Let's go. Woohoo! We're back, and while you are preparing for next week's episode, you don't even, you can't prepare, honestly, because I haven't told you what it is. Mentally, maybe you're preparing, but right now, before we even uh, concern ourselves with next week's episode, let's get into last week's episode, where there are things that we left unsaid, there are things that we just got wrong, and you, you are picking up the ball, and you are bringing it into the end zone. You are making sure that our commentary on Bugsy Malone is complete. That's right. It is time for corrections and omissions. my God, it's a hat trick for DDB. Thank you, DDB. People, we have doled through the dozens of voicemails and hundreds of messages on our Discord to find the best observations. And here we go, starting on the Discord. Um, This is truly one of the best weeks we've ever had in Corrections and Omissions because the research is simply incredible. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who listens to this show, who engages in the show, who supports all of us. I don't think I say it enough, but uh, I love each and every one of you. And, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure doing this show. And I just, I don't know if I say it, I assume it, that you know it, but thank you. All right. Johnny Unusual writes, it seems in the UK, this is a much bigger film and particularly a big part of childhood, the same way Princess Bride or Willy Wonka might be for people of similar ages. In Empire Magazine, the UK's most famous movie magazine, it is ranked 353rd of their all-time greatest movies list. That was in 2008. And on Channel 4 in 2003, Channel 4 is a uh, UK channel, it was ranked 19 on a list of greatest musicals on stage or screen beating West End hits like Cats and Phantom the Opera, as well as The King and I, which I kind of agree with. And you know what? Honestly, so do I. A much more controversial take, though, happened in 2004 when Channel 4 placed it as the 39th all-time greatest family movie, beating Princess Bride 
and Beetlejuice. Ooh, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that 100%. Those feel like, wow, I mean, Princess Bride is low on that list. Huh, interesting. Okay, but probably the biggest deal in the UK is that as recently as 2011, it was considered the most shown film in secondary schools. Though the whole article is kind of revealing and unexpected compared to what I assume would be North America's pick, there is this great article here uh, on bbc.com slash news slash education uh, dash 161 You're never going to type that in. But I love that. That Why would they show this in schools? There's no reason to show this in school. Um, I mean, we watch weird shit. We watch like Clash of the Titans in school. I think I convinced my teacher to wa- let us watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off in school one time, but we didn't, we wouldn't watch Bugsy Malone. There's no, no educational value in Bugsy Malone. Uh, huh. Interesting. All right. So go check out that site. Dr. Guts 1003 writes, Siskel and Ebert were also big fans of Bugsy Malone in 1981. They did an episode dedicated to guilty pleasures and Gene listed it as one of his picks. He called it ageless entertainment and liked the way it depicted the childlike nature that is on display in most ordinary gangster films. Okay. All right. I like this, Gene. And then in 1993, the critics had a special episode called Kid Vid, where they highlighted movies that they recommended that kids should rent. And this time, Roger listed it as one of his choices. He thought it did a nice job of showing how the battles in gangster films are no different than the fights between kids in the schoolyard and how the characters in a film like Angels with Dirty Faces had the same maturity level as most kids. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I do know now that Siskel and Ebert liked it twice, or at least their producer liked it enough to make sure they referenced it twice. Um, People, this research is already, you guys are going in with some real hardcore facts. We could never have brought this up. Rob from Long Island. I'm also from Long Island. So Rob, you and I are connected. If we accept that there are no adults and the world is populated exclusively by 12 year olds, then do these characters exist now? and have existed forever, and will continue to exist forever? That would explain why nobody dies. Is this kind of an eternal purgatory in which the story plays out over and over and over again for all time? Whoa, Rob, that comment just, that fucked me up. And I like it. I appreciate that. Like that, to me, is the kind of deep thinking these films need to be bringing out in all of us. Let's go to the phones while we just reflect on Rob from Long Island, just breaking it down in a a very, very much a lost kind of fashion. And I know they're not dead and lost. Believe me, I know. Uh, But very lost-like, I think. Maybe when the kid finally is able to tap dance, he will be ascended to another level or get to grow to be an adult Oh, my gosh. Well, here we go. Going to the phones again. Edwin from La Mirada. What do we got? Hey, Paul. This is Edwin from La Mirada. Uh, Bugsy Malone came out in 76 when I was 13, and I loved that movie. Now, I was worried because I wanted to rewatch it for the podcast, and I was worried it wouldn't hold up. It holds up. Jason's right. This movie rules. A couple of things you missed, though. It was Oscar nominated. Paul Williams won an, or was nominated for an Oscar for the score for this movie. Now, Paul Williams also wrote The Rainbow Connection for the Muppet movie in 79. And in the same year he did Bugsy Malone, 
He won an Oscar and a Grammy for Evergreen. That's the song from A Star is Born. So look him up. He's got an amazing career, amazing music. He also wrote We've Only Just Begun, the famous Carpenters music song that you'll hear at every damn wedding you ever go to. So Paul Williams is a baller, if you ask me. So I'm with Jason. This movie rules, and I loved it more now watching it as an adult than I did as a kid. Love the show, guys. Bye. Wow, I can't believe we didn't talk about Paul Williams at all. We might have cut it out. We did definitely talk about Paul Williams. I am very familiar with Paul Williams, and you did an amazing job at breaking down exactly uh, who Paul Williams is. But if you are still interested, there's an amazing documentary uh, called Paul Williams Still Alive. You can get it on Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, or Vudu. Um, It's great. I mean, Paul Williams is a very interesting man. Uh, and a great musician. Uh, I sang his songs in kindergarten and, uh, you look, you can't, you can't be mad at Paul Williams, but I gotta tell you, uh, Paul Williams as like Lin-Manuel Miranda did all the music or a lot of the music for Moana. It would be weird if he sang all the songs, right? And that's kind of what happened here in this movie. It's like, it was his voice in all the characters' mouths. Now, I know the songs are great and uh, all that sort of stuff, but that, to me, was the weird thing. So I'm sorry we didn't talk about Paul Williams. Yes, he's a genius. Uh, I think that the the way that they put the songs in the movie is weird. You can find out more about him by watching that doc. Thank you, Edwin, for making sure we give a little bit of a salute to a great musician. Holly in Texas, what's up? Hi, Paul, Cody, and Devin. This is Holly calling from Texas. This is actually my second call, but I think this one's going to make an impact. Um, the whole theory that this whole movie is middle schoolers as gangsters is actually adds it to a whole new level of like, um, just a whole new level of like appreciating this movie. Um, because I'm a middle school teacher and I deal with the age of these actors on a daily basis. So of making some connections about how closely related middle schoolers are to mob gangsters. Because one, first of all, middle schoolers do not snitch on each other. And that phrase, snitching, is something that I hear constantly when I'm asking, what happened to this thing? Who did this thing? Oh, my goodness. So they're really loyal to their friend groups. Also, they're always trying to do all these, like, little side hustles both under the table, and that's a literal under the table, in a figurative statement as well, so that they can try and figure out how to get talkies and, or to do Fortnite stuff. Um, and I just think now it is genius, genius, that they use middle school-age children to do this movie because middle schoolers think that they're adults. Love the show. Thanks for the laughs. Bye. Well, it looks like Holly in Texas is right in line with Siskel and Ebert, uh, Siskel, Ebert, and Holly. Um, Wow, I guess this really is about kids, and then maybe now I should show it to my kids. Maybe I should wait until they're older so I can really get it. Um, Maybe we should be showing this to gangsters, people. That's what I think. Show it to gangsters so they stop acting like fucking gangsters. Put, Put this on. In the middle of a John Wick battle scene and see what happens. All right. Finally, Rita in Philly, what do you got? Hi, Paul and team. My name is Rita, and my husband and I are longtime listeners, and I'm a first-time caller. 
I live in Philly, but I grew up in Buffalo, New York. And when I was a kid, I was part of a local youth theater. And we actually did a production of Bugsy Malone Jr. And uh, I got to play Bugsy Malone. And let me tell you, that does not do a lot for a 15-year-old competition, especially when you're playing a young Scott Baio. But um, I wanted to share some production facts with you, first being... We didn't get to use actual pies because they weren't allowed in the middle school auditorium, so we used lots of sound effects and a lot of silly string. Um, we had a pretty impressive homemade pedal car up until the dress rehearsal, but it broke, so for the show, we just ran up and down the aisles. A really fun show to do with a bunch of 10 to 15-year-olds, and uh, thanks for having me rewatch Buzzy Milan this week. It made me very nostalgic. Uh, have a good one. All right. Bye. All right. Wow. A lot of people actually wrote in saying that they were in uh, middle school stage plays of Bugsy Malone, which I guess makes sense. I guess it does make sense. I was going to say, is that weird? I mean, I guess it does. I mean, it's no weirder than me doing arsenic and old lace in high school. Like I was a child acting like an adult. Why don't we just do uh, kids acting as kids? But the kids are acting like adults. Huh. Purgatory, man. Rob from Long Island still fucked me up. Back to the Discord. Graham S. Graham S. writes, My favorite factoid about Bugs Malone is that it was the inspiration for the Biggie music video, Sky's the Limit, directed by Spike Jones. Yeah, I, that's what I remembered, too. I did not bring it up. But yes, 100%. If you've not... Uh, well, thanks, Spike Jones, for that. If you've not seen it, check out uh, the Biggie video. You will enjoy it even more now after watching Bugsy Malone. Uh, by the way, a lot of people did write us, like, I, if you talk badly about this movie, I will never listen to the show again. And I'm glad that we didn't, because, wow, we really have hit a uh, tender spot with you all. Cameron H. writes, I just found out that uh, in the UK, there was a Bugsy Malone comic that coincided with the movie's release. He actually uh, put a still of it here in the Discord. And there's that babyface scene that we were talking about, where baby Face is like, I'm going to be a big star. And Cameron H. writes, this scene here in the comic book actually confirms the meta-textual intention behind his big star line. So you can actually see how it plays out. And, uh, you know... (laughs) Yeah, so in in the comic book, he basically says, I'm going to be a big star in this book now. So uh, there you go. A little, uh, I've never really heard that term before. Meta-textual. I would just say meta. Uh, But all right. Anyway, uh, great corrections and omissions this week. And now while you did amazing research, there's only one person, and you already know who it is, who blew my mind, who broke my brain, and that is Rob from Long Island. So Rob, you are the winner. You win. Thank you, DDB. DDB is in purgatory this week as they are being forced to make all the songs for this week's episode. Um, You don't get anything, Rob, but you do get to haunt all of our dreams and nightmares. So we thank you for that. We'll be right back right after this. All right, everybody, we are back. And now it is time for Paul's pick of the week. DDB, take me home. Jason's too busy to hang out. 
and talk about Star Wars. There's only so many podcasts you can be a part of until you die. And Paul's going to try. All right, I'm going to give you something that I've been absolutely uh, obsessed with. This is a great podcast that I'm going to tell Jason about, so I will talk uh, I'll talk about this at a greater length, but I want you to get on board with it right now because I'm enjoying it so much. Um, it is a podcast called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. It's uh, a podcast on Spotify uh, made by the Ringer Network, and every episode is about one song from the 90s. Um, I started off my listening on Rosa Parks by Outkast, and it's just a complete breakdown of Outkast, the song, what it meant, the contextualization of Atlanta hip-hop, or I should say Southern hip-hop at that time. And it's all across the board. I mean, you have like Tori Amos's uh, Cornflake Girl, Wonderwall, End of the Road from Boys to Men, Limp Biscuits, Nookie, Madonna's Vogue, uh, Cakes the Distance. It's all over the map, and each episode is about an hour, and they are just full-on breakdowns of the song with a special guest that joins after like the first 30 minutes. You will uh, you'll love it. You'll love it. I think you will actually, I mean, if you like me, well, I don't know if you'll love it. You'll If you like music... You're going to be on board. I also want to recommend another podcast, uh, Blank Check. Uh, you've heard us talk about this plenty of times. Uh, but Blank Check with Griffin and David is uh, a podcast where they follow the career of a director. Uh, basically, a director who's had some significant success. And then they have a blank check to pursue their passion projects. And they go deep into... Uh, a lot of different amazing filmmakers. There was a great series recently on Elaine May, and right now they are in uh, a series that I am absolutely in love with. It's, of course, John Carpenter, and Jason and I will be the guests on the Big Trouble in Little China episode, which, again, is a monster episode. We did uh, a long one uh, before when we broke down Used Cars, another Kurt Russell movie, but uh, now we break down... Uh, we break down Big Trouble, and it's a blast. Jason and I really got in there. Uh, really fun with those guys. So if you don't want uh, just a full month of scary stuff, take a listen to a Big Trouble in Little China. And finally, to just close it up on three podcast recommendations, I'm going to recommend the Batman Audio Adventures. The Batman Audio Adventures uh, was created by Dennis McNicholas, who is one of the uh, big... I mean, he is a classic SNL writer. He's been there for so long, just an amazing dude. And he went to town and created his own uh, Batman 1940s-inspired radio hour podcast. It's incredibly unique and different. It has uh, Rosario Dawson as Catwoman, Jeffrey Wright as Batman, John Leguizamo as the Riddler, Brent Spiner as the Joker, and... Tons of people that you love, like Ike Barinholtz and Seth Meyers and Sudeikis and Bobby Moynihan and uh, Fred Armisen, Keenan Thompson, Heidi Gardner, uh, my, myself. I play uh, Mr. Charlie Horse, uh, the Joker's muscle. And uh, 
and you can check it out. It's really fun. It's very different. It's very unique. And I'm also uh, co-writing a story, a Robin story, with a comic book prequel that is coinciding that comes out on October 12th. So that's your Batman fix. That's your John Carpenter fix. And that is, of course, your song's from the 90s fix and I would be remiss if I didn't mention my final podcast which of course is Unspooled as we jump into Scaretober we're starting off with The Exorcist a film that I don't think I ever really saw I understood it and I understood the cultural relevance of it but I don't think I ever sat down and really watched it so uh, check out what we're doing over on Unspooled as well and uh, that's what I got for my plugs a lot of podcasts this week but god damn it who cares you know what? Some weeks I'm going to go heavy on podcasts. Sometimes I'm going to go heavy on books. And then other times, you know, maybe it's a TV show. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a gadget. A gadget that I like. I don't know. I just jump in. I jump in with whatever I got. I did get a new popcorn maker. I'm not going to talk about that. I mean, it's pretty good. It's, it, here's the thing. I am going to talk about it. It's like a Whirly Pop, right? Where Whirly Pop, you got to put it on the stove. You got to turn the wheel and then the popcorn pops. And that's great and all. But then you got to clean that shit and it gets so annoying. I got a popcorn maker that is like Whirly Pop, but it's automatic and the and it does it for you, the spinning around. And then when it's over, you turn it over and the bowl uh, that you eat the popcorn out of is actually the bowl that was on top of the Whirly Popper. Anyway, you can find it on Amazon. It was a good purchase. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the name of it. Don't get mad at me. Don't be like, uh, you know what? I'll tell you. I'll, I'll find it. I'll put it on the Discord. I'll tell you the name of the exact... You know what? If you're forcing my hand right now, I feel like people are like, well, Paul, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go on there just to find out the thing. Just tell me you should come more prepared. This is your show, isn't it? God damn it. I'm like, you know what? I apologize. Yes. It is called the West Bend 82505 Stir Crazy Electric hot oil popcorn popper machine that offers a large lid for serving and convenient storage. It's six quarts. It's red. Go get your West Bend stir crazy electric hot oil popper. <laughs> am I talking about popcorn machines on this fucking show? I guess I am. All right. Uh, well, I'm happy about that. Um, people, now it is time. Now it is time to reveal how our horror this get made begins and it begins with something that is so new and so fresh and uh i think you're gonna love it uh now that we got bugsy malone out of the way let's talk about a movie that is going to be completely different because we're going from child mobsters to something a lot more spookier that's right we're watching james wan's malignant i thought i was gonna have like a thing like we're going from child mobsters to a killer Who's got to mop up the floor? I, I had nothing. So anyway, we are watching Malignant. Here's a short breakdown of the plot. Uh, paralyzed by fear from shocking visions, a woman's torment worsens as she discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities. Oh yeah, that would be a great way to describe it. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes rates this film as a at a whopping 73% on the tomato meter. And Andrew Baker from Variety writes, it's hard to say whether a film this bonkers works or not, but it's impossible not to admire both the craft and the extravagant bad taste behind its go-for-broke energy. And goddammit, Andrew Baker, you nailed it. Uh, take a listen to uh, the trailer for Malignant. When I was young, something happened to me. Stop saying that. Daddy, who are you talking to? Gabriel. 
Is he an imaginary friend? Whatever you went through before you joined our family, it hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. You created him. Maddie, what's going on? So that you could survive. Here's what I'm going to say, people. You can watch Malignant right now on HBO Max. Um, Give it, you got to watch it. You might be bored for the first 90 minutes. I know that's like kind of the, but you got, but it's all worth the ride. Like you won't enjoy the end unless you, you got it. You got to do it. You got to do it. It's it's less than two hours, but you got to just truck through that first 90 because the first 90, you might be like, what? Uh, Okay. Eh, eh, eh. This is not scary. It's not nothing. Trust me. Malignant. It's on HBO Max. James Wan is a brilliant director. There's some cool shit in there that you're going to love. And right now, um, a special treat for you. Our amazing producer, Avril Halley, is back with Movie Bitches. They have a two-minute review of their newest film, The Woman in the Window, which is kind of like that movie uh, that was like The Girl on Train, I believe. Anyway, take a listen. A Woman in the Window, two minutes, and timer starts now. Cheers. Welcome, Welcome to Movie, to bitches. movie bitches. Tonight we're reviewing Woman in the Window, the new Joe Wright movie. Who was expecting that? We certainly wasn't expecting this broad genre piece from Joe Wright, but... Would we call this a broad genre? I mean, yes, yes. but like... That is exactly what right. I would call it. That was frustrating for me, where it's just like, oh, another one of these. It's another girl on the train. Okay. Well, so the biggest mystery for me is the mm-hmm. cast. I know why Gary Oldman's in this movie, because Joe Wright got him his Oscar for Darkest Hour for Churchill. Sure. I forgot about Darkest Hour. Yeah. It just is so strange to me that we have Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gary Oldman, all showing up. For I don't know six days work tops. Like why was Julianne? Uh, why? Moore in I mean this I love that. But like, you know was that what? Well, why is Julianne Moore in this movie? Also, Anthony Mackie's in this movie. Why? I just had to put that out there. I forgot he was in the movie because he is in so little of the movie. I just wrote down. Oh my god, those wine bottles in the garbage bag were so overly miked. Okay. Okay. Clank, 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 clank. Should I take your trash out? Bling, 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 bling. I was just like, wow, we got it. She goes through some wine. I hated this movie. I thought it was so boring and bad and stupid. And I thought that like at one point it gets crazy, but for no reason it was completely unearned. Lean in, basically. This was like... Right. Eh, middle of the road. I, I wish it had just gone for it. It's not good, uh, but you know, no. it's on Netflix. Gary Oldman was there and he got to yell at someone briefly. And of course you're completely out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> that was probably the yeah, most- That was pretty scary, that was the I will best say. Like that was intense. Probably in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Gary, bringing it every time. Cheers. Thank you, everybody, for listening. That is the end of our mini episode. Remember to rate and review the show. It helps. Visit us on all of our social platforms. Visit me on social platforms. I'm on all of them. TikToking it up. Instagramming it all day long. Tweeting. I got into a fight with a sports star this week um, because I'm a Clipper fan and he's a Laker fan. And God damn it, I was going to stick up for the Clippers, even though they didn't put me in their fan montage I fucking shot a hot dog gun. I'm out there. I'm mixing it up. Been at all the games. Damn, that was a bummer. That was a bummer. There were three cardboard cutouts of me in the stadium during the COVID times. 
I don't even make the fan reel. Clipper Nation. Get behind me. Anyway, uh, visit us on our Facebook page if you'd like. And uh, look, if you want to listen to this show commercial-free, you can. Uh, sign up for a free one-month trial on Stitcher Premium using the code BONKERS. And here's a fun thing. Every Monday now, we are pulling an old episode from the back catalog, so stay tuned. Have you seen new episodes popping up? It's because we are giving you a taste of some of the good good. Ew. Did I just say that? Oh, God. Is that a thing? Do people even say good, good? Anyway, thank you to Cody for putting this together. Always being the super pro that she is. Avril Halley uh, for delivering a great two-minute movie review. Uh, Kyle Waldron because he makes great art. July Diaz because he listens through, makes sure everything is to the letter perfect. Of course, our engineer Devin, Molly, our MVP, and everybody at Earwolf. We will see you next time for Malignant. Malignant. Yeah.